everyone. You're listening to Recruitment from A to Z, the podcast that covers all things talent acquisition and recruitment advertising. I'm Andrea, and with me is Zach, hence the A to Z. I oversee the client services team nationally, and Zach oversees our marketing and sales efforts. Bayard specializes in recruitment advertising and employer branding, and we're excited to talk to you about lots of fun topics, changes, and more in our industry. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We were lucky enough to sit down with JB Bartels, who leads the global shared services team at Sykes, to talk to us about her work history, passions in talent acquisition, and how she catches a break in the crazy world that we all live in today. Well, hi, JB. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Great to join you. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited. So JB, could you tell our listeners who you are and yeah, just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm JB and I currently work for Sykes. We're a global BPO. That just means we have call centers and um, answer calls and text and emails for our clients um, for some of the biggest brands all over the world. My current role is standing up what's called the Talent Acquisition Shared Services to support all of our talent acquisition partners, first in North America and then across the world. And prior to that, I ran our work at home recruiting division um, for, for Sykes as well. So happy to be here and excited about this topic we're going to talk about. (laughs) I know, me too. It's so relevant in in today's world. But before we get into that, as a secret to our listeners, JB and I are long time, not colleagues, we've worked together for a long time, but there's a kinship there. Yeah, partners. There's a friendship there. We've worked (laughs) together for so many years. When was the first year we worked together, JB? Oh my goodness. Now now we're thinking back, maybe uh, 2000... 12, 10, somewhere around there, right? So it's been a a decade, a decade together. I know, a decade together. A couple of different companies and and different approaches. And it's been a great, great relationship for sure. I know, I've loved it. So I originally met JB when she worked at IHS Market. Well, originally it was IHS. Then we went through the merger together of IHS Market. And then JB was kind enough to introduce me to some of her colleagues over at Sykes, and we are fortunate enough to work with them too. But um, we've been through many projects, recruitment, marketing endeavors together, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but I've known JB for a really long time. And the last time I saw her was pre-COVID, and this is why your granddaughter wasn't born yet. It all came back to me. We talked about this before we started the podcast, but JB has a new member of her family that just joined her, a granddaughter. I do. I have a sweet little Adelie Rose who's 97 days old today. <laughs> and it's the best promotion in the world, right? right? Moving to, to grandma. She actually is going to call me JB. So this, this is a consistent, she has lots of other grandmas. They get Mimi and Gigi and all those other things, but I get to be JB. <laughs> is that for real? She's going to call you yep. JB? I love yep. that. I can just see her, you know, opening the front door of the house and running in and yelling for JB, where are you? Right? I could. So coming soon. (laughs) That's so funny. And then I believe Zach knows you too. Zach, you know, JB, right? I do. We had briefly connected. JB was kind enough to to humor us as we were trying to we were trying to come up with ways where we could have a speaking slot at LinkedIn's Talent Connect. Um, and it was soon after the the branding project with IHS Market. 
That's right. And so JB was kind enough to allow us to submit and see if we could speak together. Unfortunately, we didn't end up doing it. But yeah, we met briefly then. And for the most part, before that, I was kind of behind the scenes. I had been a little bit involved in at the IHS Market Project. Man, that's a throwback. It is, but I remember your name clearly from doing that um, branding project. And that was one of one of my favorite projects in my career. Is that fun branding project that we all we did together, and standing up the new website career site that we did. It was fun. I mean, it was with the merger and everything like that. It was it was a fun project for sure. Yeah, a lot of moving parts for sure. I know. Well, that's a perfect segue because. One of the things for those of you that don't listening that don't know JB is I feel like there's another podcast I listen to with with Busy Phillips and on that podcast they always talk about pivots and I feel like you have a wonderful professional history of not pivots into new industries but just like a wonderful development of your career over the years at different companies and how you've just continue to take on more complex projects and try to create change in the organizations you join. And so I thought it would be really fun if you could just kind of walk us through your timeline and and sort of how you perceive your most meaningful pivots in your career or the the things that you've sort of like continued on to do, because I think it's like a wonderful set of encouragement for people who are listening and thinking about how they evolve their career in HR or recruitment marketing or talent acquisition in general. Thank you. That's quite the compliment. And I do feel like I've had some wonderful opportunities and experiences to kind of build out my breadth and depth. I am a talent acquisition geek. I know what I want to be when I grow up. There's no question about that. Um, when I every performance or you know feedback conversation I have with my leaders, I'm like, no talent acquisition. This is it. This is this is this is the bomb. Um, so I, I can I can spend a few minutes talking about that. I always, you know, recall back early, early on when I was actually working for Frontier Airlines and the HR department offered um, career counseling if you wanted to come in and talk about what you wanted to be when you grow up. And I talked to one of the um, HR managers at the time. He was leading recruiting. And he told me about this thing called recruiting. And I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. He's like, well, come on out for our next hiring event. And so I did. And he had me follow him around for the day. And he would keep taking candidates back into a room with a a piece of paper that had a list of questions on it and ask them the questions. And about the third candidate, he handed me the piece of paper and he said, you're going to do this next one. And I was so scared. I, I was interviewing somebody else to get a job. And I was way more scared than that person. That's what began my my intrigue and excitement into the recruiting space. And so um, at Frontier, I got to become a recruiter and recruit for almost every group within the organization. So um, starting off with, you know, reservation agents and then customer service agents that help you at the airport and ramp agents that take care of the bags and then flight attendants and then pilots and then moving to corporate and doing some IT hiring and, and marketing hiring and even helping to find the next CFO. So you can see the breadth of um, positions I got to fill. So I got to learn a lot of different things. And then I moved on from Frontier Airlines and um, eventually got to jump into consulting. So contract and consulting and working for a company that came out of Deloitte and hiring program managers and controllers and all kinds of project-based 
um, senior level talent. I remember walking in the first day to that job and sitting in a meeting with all of my peers and I felt like it was a foreign language. It was a total foreign language. I was, I, I had no idea what they were talking about and, you know, and how do you price a contractor and what do you mean they work for short periods of time and they're independent or, or do we pay them like we pay everybody else? Just, it felt like I'm saying these words now and they feel so normal <laughs> to me, but at the time, um, I yeah, remember it's like a new language. Like, it what? was a new language. <laughs> I, I came home to my husband and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this because I have no idea what they were talking about today, but really got the understanding and experience of what it looks like from that independent contractor and corp to corp is the common words that you're here and, and what that looks like. I, I bounced. Uh, I bounced again. I did. A, I actually did a contract for three months, so I could feel like, what does that feel like? Am I supposed to work forty hours? And do I track that? Like, and then, you know, how am I not an employee, but I am? And how do I understand the culture and give that to the candidates I'm recruiting for um, to add to that mix? Um, and then I got a great opportunity to go and stand up a recruiting practice for a global consultancy. It was with another, with a BPO, but I worked on, on the side of the house where I got to, uh, they had acquired four different consulting firms and they needed someone to come in and set up recruiting, a recruiting practice to, to hire their partners and their business analysts and, and their consultants. Um, it was a global role, which I love. That was really my biggest foray into hiring outside of the U.S. Um, and got to support a team in Australia and support a team in Dubai and uh, a team in the U.K. and and stood up a team in Mexico City um, and then learn all about, I haven't mentioned technology pieces yet, but with each um, company, I got introduced to a different ATS and a different CRM and a different way of using and connecting to the, the human capital management system. So you can see how not only the experiences of recruiting, but the technology and the support and the different things. Um, and that's actually where um, at that role where I really was able to stand up and do a lot of work in Taleo and build a whole new recruiting path and, and a new way of hiring. It was very different to hire um, for consulting practices than hiring high volume agents and things. And also got introduced. Um, I was already aware of LinkedIn and had used LinkedIn in my prior work, but really got introduced to LinkedIn there and built a relationship. Um, but it all kind of culminated and came to um, a, a great spot when I moved from that company to IHS, which Andrea was just talking about. And um, was introduced to Andrea in this whole concept of getting support when it comes to um, talent acquisition marketing. I thought, how brilliant to have experts in this space. You know, we can talk together about some of the great things that we got to do there, but we just referred to one of them, and that is the company merged. Um, it purchased another company and became a whole new brand, um, had a whole new right talent acquisition brand and so we together did a ton of research we interviewed dozens and dozens of employees at all levels uh, and then we worked together to build a new brand and then to launch that first um, in a career site 
I'm going to pause there because so I, I think that was a really fun project that we got to be a part of. You've, you've had such a, an incredible background, JB. I'm interested. You mentioned at the beginning, you kind of knew that you were in talent acquisition for life. Is there a moment that made you realize that talent acquisition was it? And you know how has that affected your journey since then? I remember that very first experience that I had when Gary was his name, handed me the you know interview sheet and said, you're doing this next one. Um, and I was, so I can still remember that feeling in my stomach and then kind of being like, wow, I just gave somebody a job. Like I just kind of impacted their life. This will always be on their resume. So I think it started in that moment, in that, right, in that experience. And then over time, it's that constant, right, satisfaction and euphoria. Now, you know, today I don't do a lot of interviews and I don't give a lot of people jobs, right? But my team does. And it's fun to, everything about the recruiting process remains exciting, right? And fun for me. As I've mentioned my journey and and now I'm in a new role, I talked a little bit just about my titles and what I'm doing here is my personality is not a day-to-day gal. So once things are working, I'm like, great, you guys got it. (laughs) You take it away and let me go on to the next challenge. And I think talent acquisition specifically is really aligned well with that sort of personality. Um, There are so many challenges and so many things, especially in, you know, our 21st century to learn and to to optimize and to um, get better at and the marketplace is always changing and COVID is certainly an example of that. Um, everybody had to go, now what do we do? <laughs> now, how do we hire? And then this market that we're in today where there's, you know, 100 jobs and 70 people, right, to fill those 100 jobs or less, um, or less. It, again, the market shifts, you have to constantly shift your strategy, your approach, the tools that you use. Um, and it keeps everybody hopping. I think you had an interesting comment both at the beginning of you sharing sort of your background and then that comment you just made. The first being that you had at the beginning of your career this person who didn't know you, who offered an opportunity for you to get a day in the life and experience it and think about a career that wasn't maybe in your no book of options. It. Yeah. Right. What and that's what recruiting was then. And and I when you were telling that story, my gut reaction was, I bet that never happens anymore. That moment in time. And then I think about what you just said. And it's like the way recruiting and talent acquisition teams have morphed over 20 years. I feel like the root of talent acquisition today is problem solving. It's it's everything you just said. It's it's less yeah. almost about the interpersonal connection that was the beginning of your career, and it's more about the strategic ability to problem solve where you're at now. Do you think that's true? Wow, it's that's very insightful. Uh, and yes, I agree that 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 is true. I was going to make one more comment about that experience that I had while the HR team at Frontier at the time put that message out to every employee that worked for the company, um, only a handful took the opportunity to to come in and talk to HR and have that conversation. And I was the only one that followed through and showed up 
to the rec a recommendation. So while your comment was, you know, I bet nobody does that today, I think the opportunities still exist. I think sometimes the invitations are still put out there, but we as humans, I don't, I just, I don't know why I took advantage of it in that moment at that time. And it obviously changed the trajectory of my career. Um, I am just as at fault of not taking advantage of times and when I've been invited to do that or being intentional to engage in the conversation. So as um, early career folks out there and listening, just highly encourage you to use your internal resources. Most people, we're all human. When someone comes to us and says, hey, I wanna learn about what you do, we're excited to share about it. We're excited to to get you engaged. And so would encourage that. But then back to your comment that you just made, um, Andrea is, yes, it was very much about that, you know, woohoo, I gave somebody a job and that was so exciting. I actually quickly learned that I told more people no than I told yes, because 10 people apply for one job and you can only tell one person yes. So in the beginning, right. I would just pray that they wouldn't answer the phone and then I could leave a message. And then I learned how much more value and um, how important and great it is to actually have that human connection to say, you know, this is a no for now, but it's not a no forever. Um, but now it is totally about problem solving and, and trying to stay ahead of how do you attract and retain talent? How do you assess? How do you use the tools um, in a way that keeps it humanized, um, but automated and, and quick um, and easy for, for candidates um, to go through and hiring managers and for recruiters? Um, so it, it's all about problem solving and, and trying to prioritize. Is it candidate experience that's number one? Is it right matching and making sure you're getting the right people that's number one? Um, it's conflicting or competing priorities is the right word. And I'm immediately kind of thinking of this from a, a branding perspective, but I feel like although it's much more complex in many ways, we're all still trying to peel back the layers to get to the point where we can communicate that very moment that started everything for you. Because, you know, a lot of what we're trying to do in branding, and we might do it in very different ways, is to try and authenticate the reasons why people should join a particular organization or follow a particular path. Um, and the way in which we do it might be very different. It might not be an in-person join me for this or that moment. But I think I feel like the storytelling piece and authenticating the journeys that we're trying to encourage people to go on is still very much the same. Just how we do it is very different. Yeah. Again, excellent feedback there. It, the word invitation comes to mind because my journey started with an invitation. And I think of that too in the whole volunteer world. Like people want to volunteer, people want to give their time and, and do things, but they don't know where or how or when or who's going to do it with them. And so it's about having someone say, you know, hey, come over here, help me, right? Or I'd like to invite you to be a part of this kind of the same thing when you invite someone to be a part of your organization are you just inviting them to a role or to you know become a become a business analyst for them or a call center agent for them or are you inviting them to something more than just that position that's what that's what the brand story is about right oh totally well i think it you know your career you have such 
highlight moments in the way you described like your journey that led you, I think, so perfectly to where you're at today. And isn't that where we all hope to go, right? It's a building block of our careers. But you talked about, you know, it started off as true recruiting. Then you got this opportunity to stand up a team uh, globally and create sort of shared services. And I feel like that's very much been a, a pathway you've been on since about how do you bring a global team together for for the candidate. But today you're really focused on, you know, uh, and I'd love for you to talk about what you're currently doing for Sykes and and how you're impacting, I mean, seriously high volume hiring and automation globally. You know, a BPO of, of the size of Sykes is hiring thousands of people. Um, and the way that you think about engaging them, thoughtfully declining a job offer, making sure they're not sitting in a black box, making it easy for your recruiters to manage lots of candidates. How do you get them into the process in the idea of hiring at scale and, and automation? Where do you think the industry is sort of missing the mark right now? And where do you think people should be putting their most time and energy? I Especially when it comes to high volume, you have got to know what tool you, you've got to have tools. You can't do it. When I first came to Sykes, um, our work at home talent acquisition team was hiring classes of 500 and 1,000. And they were trying to process two and three times that amount of candidates to be able to land day one with the number to fill those kinds of numbers. Um, and they were doing it by just holding a big information session. And if people stayed on the call, they extended them an offer. I know that <laughs> I'm, I'm letting some dirty laundry out there, but the reality is in order to be able to assess and screen and evaluate all of those candidates and how they bumped up and fit the job was impossible. You, you couldn't do that with a small and mighty team of just a few recruiters and nor could you afford to have a large team of recruiters. And so it really is in that example, and I can give you dozens more throughout the life cycle process, is you have to have some form of automation. You've got to have an ATS that will do do automation for you. Um, in this case, and and we'll put a plug out there for HireVue, um, they really made that process work for us. I was able to, when, when someone applies, I was immediately able to send them a link and say, we'd love for you to interview. So all of a sudden, the candidate doesn't go into a black hole. They have an immediate response and an action to take if they are want to be considered for this role. But I don't have to have, you know, a dozen re uh, recruiters immediately looking at the resume, right, deciding whether or not we could schedule. Then we have the whole scheduling nightmare of, you know, trying to schedule 100 people a day to talk to a recruiter um, and timing and, and then communication and then logging your feedback and information. And so HireVue is one way to do that and sending them the leak with immediate response and giving them more information about the role and about the company um, and letting them take the interview. Another big thing that we stood up at that time was what, um, what I call information sessions. And so I did have my team and this is where the personal interaction and the the humanity, right, of the process. I had my team members a couple of times a day, seven days a week, holding information sessions. And the link was on our career site. And any candidate could just go and click the link. They'll see the times that those sessions were available. And they could listen in to us talk about what it's like to work for our company, what it's like to work for Sykes. And then we 
we, it would be for an hour and we'd spend half, a, half an hour or 20 minutes telling them about the company and the process of how do you get hired. And then we'd spend whatever time we needed answering questions. And when in the history of talent acquisition <laughs> has anybody said that they've had access to a company and to a recruiting team and understood how to get hired and got all their questions answered about, do you have full time? Do you have part time? Can I work nights? Can I work in the morning? Right. Can, what does this pay? How, when do I start? How long is the interview process? Just some general questions that everybody again felt like they applied their application went into a black hole and then that you might hear from somebody and, and recruiting got a bad rap um, back in the day I call it back in the day because it's not today anymore because they were unresponsive and so tools mixed with right the the right level of human touch help create that that new process and just sorry to interject but just like out of curiosity what was your and i know you can't share the real numbers but like what were the numbers after you implemented those changes like did you see just efficiency optimizations were the numbers through the roof were you getting people through faster like how did it impact down funnel off the charts. <laughs> so um, we, when I came in, you know, my first couple of months as I was learning what was happening, what was going on here, uh, all I heard about every one of those big classes um, that I started was recruiting never meets their numbers. And the candidates that we get are never qualified or, uh, you know, we've had, we would have um, short-term assignments um, based around holiday seasons or based around a client's busy season. And um, that assignment might be for a month. And we'd have candidates coming in and say, I need to take the summer off or uh, I need to take a week off or a day off in you know, three months later. And we're like, you're not even gonna be working here three months later, but they didn't know that information. Um, and as like I was saying, there was no assessment being done. So the, we would hear from our training groups and from our operations groups saying, you know, these, they are not being successful and they would drop out, you know, less than half would show up to day one and then less than half would get through training and actually get to, you know, take their first calls or do their first job. Um, and once we implemented this, you know, we actually started meeting our day one numbers and we knew it, right? Because people said, we'll see you, see you <laughs> tomorrow, right? Or whatever the day was. And training started being like, oh my gosh, we can actually train these people and they want it, they want to be here and they know about the role. They know what they're getting themselves into. You know, things like sharing a day in the life on those um, information calls, right? We'll, we'll share a day in the life and we'll give them a real life. Hey, you know, you're going to be attached to a headset in front of a computer and you need to be in a clean room. You're not going to have a pen at your desk because we don't want you to write down credit card numbers. And no, you can't have your kid at home. You can work from home, but you can't, your kid can't be in the room with you. Um, anyway, all of these kind of generic, very basic things people were getting answers to. Um, and I like to call it, they were able to rule themselves out. Mm. Um, and make better decisions for them and for their life than because they had the information to do that. Um, the other quick thing that we stood up then that helped was what I call psyched to start. So again, I, I work for psychs. Um, and after you've been offered and you've kind of gone through the onboarding and pre-employment processes and paperwork and drug tests and all of that, right before you start, we all, everybody who's scheduled to start for that class gets on a call and we try to create a party atmosphere. Um, 
this is virtual remote hiring in this in this example pre-covid pre-covid um, that's right pre-covid pre-covid um i know it sounded so foreign to people before now they're like yeah zoom right i know what <laughs> totally. you're talking about um and we would bring the uh, account managers and the trainers and their HR reps and the recruiting team. We'd all be on the call and kind of introduce ourselves and um, talk about, okay, here's what to expect your first week and um, really excited to meet all of you. And then let them ask questions if there was still anything that needed to be answered. Um, let them be introduced to their account teams and introduced a little bit more to the the, the work that they were going to be doing. And guess what? Our numbers showing up today one just skyrocketed, right? Because again, people were informed. They were given the information they needed to be successful. Um, and oh, by the way, it sped up the process tremendously too. Um, by having each of these buckets or each of these things in place, we were able to get people applied. Oftentimes, right, for sending your interview to you immediately when you apply, then we have a team that's reviewing interviews all day, every day. Um, we're making offers all day, every day, <laughs> and then initiating and going through the pre-employment um, phase, all of a sudden we were able to start people a whole lot faster. I really feel like one of the comments that you said about how you see a little bit of my career going to that shared services model um, and the new role I moved from being, you know, part of that talent acquisition work at home, leading the talent acquisition work at home team to moving into this global talent acquisition shared services and standing it up for our organization just follows now my heart because I see how what I just explained, when you set up the right tools and you set up the right process and you get the right people um, in place, you can create something amazing and you can impact, uh, again, didn't give exact numbers, right? You can really have an impact on an organization on the level of talent, on the engagement of that talent. Um, again, in work at home, our satisfaction scores for, in the recruiting process and then our employee engagement scores skyrocketed. I remember um, one of I have a senior manager on my team that just joined last fall, and he said, I've never worked for a company that had engagement scores that were 95, 96, and 97. They've always been, you know, oh my gosh, we hit 75, right? Let's next year's goals to get to 76, right? Engagement scores. Well, particularly in your industry and like high volume, any sort of like retail hourly, I mean, th those engagement scores are tough to, to get up right. there. Right. And so our, our recruiting score and then our, and, and recruiting, I'd love to, right? It's all me, right? It's all recruiting that, that brings that. It's obviously about the company's culture and, and what we've created as an organization. Um, but for the recruiting scores to match that high engagement scores, and then from the very beginning, back to what Zach's talking about, an employment brand and um, really engaging people on the front end with the same culture, with the same tone, with the same um, approach that you would with them as an employee, um, let's makes people feel safe, right? They, it, there's no bait and switch here. They It feels the same and they feel like they're gonna be taken care of um, versus a process that is, is slow, um, you know, I'm talking and, and consulting with another company that doesn't have automation to their process. And, and they, you know, every Monday at noon, they get, they take all of their new hires through two hours of, um, 
not even new hires, applicants through two hours of assessment and process. And I'm like, is that what it's going to feel like to be a part of your company? <laughs> I'm going to have to, you know, set aside my own time or just be on a call for two hours going over right. stuff that doesn't feel relevant to me. Again, your recruiting process has to reflect who you are as a company. Um, and if you are a detail-oriented company, if everything that you, it may reflect that example I just gave you, may actually reflect what it's like to work on the inside of the company. So you don't want to steer too far from that. It's amazing how value proposition has evolved into the sense that things like empathy are at the forefront of everything for employers today. Whereas you wouldn't even hear the word empathy in a lot of kind of conversations around value proposition a year and a half ago. And yeah. it's, it's such a key piece because everybody's life circumstances are a little bit different. Everybody has different things going on. And so been a, it's been an eye-opening experience in the fact that I think empathy will be a part of value for an organization from this point onwards. And it's almost like in many respects, you're kind of like, how was it not previously? But you know, sometimes these types of things kind of open your eyes to new things. I love that it's true. Empathy becomes the top of our job descriptions um, for everything everything that we hire. Our vision statement is we help people one caring interaction at a time. And how perfect for that to translate into this past year and a half. Um, I picked up my puppy for a, an actual purpose. One of the things that I think us remote working has done, um, he, he walked up, the, this is Sammy. Um, he's so <laughs> for, cute, for those by the that way. Working. He's, he's adorable. He's a little black and white Shih Tzu. Um, is we've invited people into our homes. Before we would walk into an office and we'd wear, you know, we'd wear whatever clothes and put on whatever makeup or whatever, you know, do our hair to, to represent who we were. Where now you're, you're my home and you, you see that I have a dog. And yesterday I had a grandbaby in my home. And sometimes you'll see my husband or my son in the background, or you'll see the furniture that I've chosen or the pictures that I've hung on the wall. And there's something about that, that connection that I think it's kind of like a sixth sense where, you know, you lose your sense of hearing, you can see better as a result. So when you lose your sense of being able to be in an office and, and with everybody and surrounded, you find new ways to connect through this medium of voice and video um, that are kind of deeper in some ways because we've invited each other into each other's homes. Um, it's it's remarkable. I think that's one of the reasons that we have such high engagement scores, and um, is because we because of that connection and that use of that sixth sense. Yeah, I think that's really an interesting way to put it, and I really relate to that. I think everyone does. It's softened the dynamic between both your colleagues and your clients, where it's not always about having the exterior of everything's fine. It's all fine. You know, because now in the right. background, you've seen my true story, toddler take a marker and draw it into my brand new carpet in the background of my Zoom call, you know, and you get to see That's my right. reaction to that special moment that we shared or, yeah. you know, that a kid needs you because their class couldn't start on time for Zoom and you got to pause and go help them or whatever the case may be. And it's just illuminated. And it's not always about the kids, but it's just illuminated that you might not have known 
your coworker had a child yeah. right, prior to that. Right. And now you get to meet her and she's wearing, she's got pigtails and, you know, and Kool-Aid on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, it's that extra <laughs> not marker on the carpet. Oh, so terrible. I, was I really wish I'd irritated. seen that moment. moment. Oh. I can't believe I missed it. <laughs> I mean, JB, you don't know, but I have the now 14-month-old who Aww. was, he's a leap day baby. So he was born on February 29th. And then I never went back into the office after he was born. So I've had this prolonged period of just being home with him the whole time. But when I think through the idea of home, like the school aspect being factored in as well, it's just, it's got to be so difficult to manage that and jobs and everything else that's going on in your home life. Kind of, it's all just around you at all times. I love it. Again, it's about business and how, right, uh, you are inviting people into your homes and you get to see and experience someone broader than you got to prior to the pandemic. Um, and and I hope to go <laughs> into an office again, um, but boy, you know, I kind of like this option of being able to to work at home and and have this office. Yeah, I think another. This is taking us down a different thread, and and um, but a huge value proposition to talent acquisition, and that is prior to the pandemic, um, we were a novelty that we had a work at home division, and everybody wanted. There were, I mean, we had applicants tons and thousands and thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of applicants, um, because there were only, there's only few of us out there that offered. Um, now employees have much better options and employers are, who were hesitant or downright wouldn't do it to let their people work from home are like, wow, that didn't hurt us. <laughs> and, and we're still operating at a, you know, very high level. And gosh, this makes a lot of sense. I'm save I'm saving money. So um, all of a sudden, our workforce has changed um, in a very positive way, I believe, where it fits more people to have the opportunity, especially when you talk, uh, talk about, you know, the ADA qualified folks that have a hard time, right, with mobility and getting to and from, um, it just opens doors for a lot more people to be able to work and and not be worried about how do they get to the office and still deliver and have the same experiences. That's such a nice comment for you to make because you're like, there's so much more competition and it makes us harder to do our job. But what a lovely reframe to think about like how it's helping disabled candidates or people from different backgrounds access opportunity and change their life and semi-related. But it brings me to another thing I think Sykes does that's so interesting. And I just, if you could take a sec, I know it's not directly related to what you're doing anymore, but talk about your opportunity hubs that you guys do, because I think that's such a unique offering of your organization. Really fun to be a part of and help stand those up in a remote environment. But um, Sykes has partnered with some of our clients that we that we work with um, and support to target communities around the nation um, and, and honestly the globe that are in poverty or are having challenges, right, for work and doing things in those communities. Many of our actual brick and mortar sites were selected because they were in those communities. So unlike some 
some of our, our peers in the industry who went after large cities with large populations that could easily fill them. We're in very small, tiny towns that don't normally have very good employ employers or, or opportunities, but then also have other barriers to work, like not able to internet have internet access or and then we're supplying right. internet access for our people or the our most of our our opportunity hubs have high unemployment have very severe high poverty rates um have low education and so we've gone in and said not only are we going to give you employment and try to give you a path to provide for your families but we're also going to try to get you know you opportunities for education and like I said and help pay for and take care of your internet or even work with the local um, internet providers to increase the you know the number of towers that they have in the city so that more people have access to it lots of community events and you know food drives and clothing drives and um, holding resume writing skills and interviewing skills classes and taking them through for for specifically for remote work we put together a remote work certification and so they can actually go through a few of the different classes on how to work from home and um, how to do that professionally and then get a a gif that they can show on their social media resume and put on their actual resume and and know that they're certified in remote work and all of a sudden they're employable not just by us but by other employers and we didn't know pre-covid <laughs> that that was going to mean even more than it did at the time. So some some of the great stuff that we're doing through those opportunity hubs and really focusing on those communities. Um, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? That's amazing. I love that. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you don't really hear that companies do that that often. I think it's like the reverse logic oftentimes about where they choose to stand up business. So I think that's such a lovely thing you guys do. JB, I want to ask, I want to know, like in this current moment where you're building you know, a global shared services team and you are, companies are busier than ever and the labor market is a disaster <laughs> and the demand yeah. is so high. How are you finding and and modeling good choices around taking care of yourself too yeah. and setting up boundaries for work and making sure, like, how, are you, how are you taking care of yourself? I will say this a dozen times a week or more that nothing that we do is life or death now that's harder to say for our you know healthcare workers around the globe but for for many of us in, in other industries what we do is not life or death and the work will still be here tomorrow regardless if you get it done at you know eight o'clock tonight or at eight o'clock tomorrow morning it's the same work and so i remind the team of that often i was on a call um, and we were putting this project plan together and one of the individuals just today said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take care of that this weekend. And someone else just responded to the, that work. And I said, stop. And I, I said the gal's name and I said, you just said that you're planning work for the weekend and I don't want you to do that. I want you to block time on your calendar and I'm not her boss. I am not, I'm not, she's not on my team and she's not, she's not even a peer. I actually just met her. Um, but I needed to say on that call that we don't plan work for the weekends. Weekends are our time off. And everybody on the call was like, oh, JB, I'm so glad you said that. And yeah, put your time, you know, put, 
the time on the calendar, don't work this weekend. But I think we as individuals have to be intentional about that. Um, I do, well, sometimes I'll work in the evening, not all the time, but when I do, I actually turn my internet off so that my emails don't go anywhere or my messages that I type don't go anywhere. So my, my team or my peers don't feel like they get something from me and have to respond. Um, I, it's a trick I learned a long time ago <laughs> and um, it's very efficient and effective because it helps remind my team that I don't want you working outside of, of work hours. Um, I will constantly ask about the load um, that they have on them and, and I model that, whether I'm modeling it by pretend <laughs> and, and keeping my internet off um, or, That's or, a good I'm trick. Actually, <laughs> right, or I'm actually shutting, shutting down and, and shutting off. And they'll, you'll hear me say, nope, I did not get to that. We'll have to reschedule the meeting or we'll have to move that um, to another time so that we have, I have more time to make that happen. And then I, it is all about the baby for me, my new grandbaby. <laughs> If I get an opportunity to hang with her and see her or go and be a part of her, I'm like, okay, work will come later. It's no big deal. So find yourself something that you love, that you're passionate about, that you enjoy doing, and don't be afraid to go do that. Um, Even if it's naps, (laughs) naps are sometimes the answer to that. Um, Right. Force yourself to put the phone email down, to put to shut the computer down, step away from your desk um, and and go do it it's because it's something that you want to do and that you love to do. That that will shut your work down faster than anything else. What's your thing, Zach? I don't know that I fully figured it out. And I I, <laughs> I don't think I figured that out either. I'm I'm really listening you to you. You have what a 14 JD month says. old. I'm like, okay, I gotta do this. I know. Good sage advice. You know what's funny is I I end every work day at five o'clock. And then the mistake I make is that I go back online at seven o'clock, but between five and seven is when I spend time with my son until he goes to sleep. But um, I always have that two hour slot. I like to eat dinner with him and put him to bed. And it makes it a little easier to work after that, having had that opportunity. I think that's work-life balance. I think that's exactly what Andrea said about how do you find your sanity? How do you not work 24-7? Finding a two-hour gap, um, right, to step away, it's not bad that you come back, (laughs) right? That's for your sanity sometimes too. Like sometimes your best sanity is like, I've got 100 emails left. I've got to get through them or I'll I'll have anxiety. So what about Andrea? You said you haven't figured it out yet. No, I mean, the greatest thing I did was this past weekend for Mother's Day slash my birthday, I said to my husband, um, as your gift to me, I'd like 24 hours away from you all. That was my special gift to me. So I went and stayed in a hotel by myself. <laughs> and I, my husband said, you can go. And my one rule, he said, is you cannot bring your laptop. And I said, done deal, buddy. So um, you know what, that was really nice. And even though that's not a, obviously a daily thing, I did think to myself, you know, you got to ask for the time and you sometimes you have to step away or find the quiet moments or build it in, whatever the case may be. And I will say I am trying to, I feel like oftentimes I can be at a desk for 24 hours in a day. And so it's like to take an hour and go for a run or a walk or whatever, spend time outside or throw the football around with kids or whatever. 
those are nice moments too. It's like, it's, you got to step away, even if it's not the most convenient time or you have a lot on your plate, you know, there you go. I know this looks like an office, but I actually have an elliptical right there. So (laughs) if I have minutes between meetings, I've tried to be very intentional about getting up there and just step in for five minutes or three minutes. It doesn't matter. Right. Instead of sitting. Totally. There's the other piece though, is connecting with friends right? Because again, if you go out with friends and you do something intentional, you're not going to be working. (laughs) Um, You're going to be engaged with, right? With other people. And so it's, it's hard. Remember that invitation part about stepping into the career that I'm in today? Um, Sometimes it's you, right? Saying, I'm, I'm inviting you to meet me and let's go have a cup of coffee or have a drink because it'll get you away from your desk. and and get you out the front door and then all of a sudden you've you've got a brain break um and you're better you're better for it when you come back at seven zach your brain is better your brain has had enough time to reset and you can focus and get you know a little bit more done so absolutely yeah no it's totally true well jb i just loved having you on today i think you're just a very impressive human being and i love what you've done in your career and what you continue to strive to do. And, you know, any organization is really lucky to have you, but I think you just offer a lot of wisdom and sage advice about um, just professional life and talent acquisition overall. So it was a pleasure to have you today. Thanks for joining us. Great talking to you guys for the past hour. Awesome. Bye-bye. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode and learning from Jen, as well as myself and Andrea, and we hope you will join us again soon. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts.